This is the spirit of leading. Where we delve into the heart and soul of everyday leadership. Because a better world begins with each and every one of us making leadership real to our family, our workplace, and our community. The world needs you to be empowered to lead, someone who can and will make a difference. So let's get started. The empowered see a need and act on it. And that's exactly what Daniela Peretta did when she set out to use teaching Spanish to your children as a way to draw families closer. I'm Garland McWaters, and on this episode of The Spirit of Leading, Daniela will tell us how her passion turned into a quest to create a community of bilingual families, and that quest turned into an entrepreneurial opportunity. Daniela, thanks so much for joining me and to tell your story today. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Wonderful to be here. I first heard you tell the story a few weeks ago at a TEDx event in the Oklahoma City area, and I approached you uh, during a break and told right. you how impressed I was with your story, and I really would like to record it. And so that's kind of how we got here. I'm real excited that, uh, that you granted me this time. I know you're really busy. The Bilingual Family is a project that you're the founder of. Mm -hmm. It is a Spanish immersion school for children here in the Oklahoma City area. And I'm just wondering, how did all this get started? What's the backstory uh, from where the idea came from and how you developed it? Certainly. Um, well, if we go way back to the beginning, I was in college studying to be an art teacher. And I had many different jobs to pay for college. So I was a server and all these things. And I found a job teaching Spanish to young children. And I loved it. And the minute that I finished my first class, I thought, who was that? Because I didn't have any teaching experience. But it just... It was natural to me. So I went to um, my advisor and changed my degree to child development. And then I started teaching Spanish for, for someone else. And after I graduated college, I during the time that I was my last two years of college, I really started thinking about opening up my own program. And so each with each class that I took, I tweaked it to prepare me for opening up a school. So if it was a play class, which we had a, a play class, I would think of ways to play in Spanish. If it was an administration class, then I would my projects would be around building a business plan for a school. So I used each of my college courses to really solidify that understanding of, of opening up a school. So by the time I, I graduated, I just did it. And it also came from my own journey in learning a second language because I'm from Colombia. And, and my mom taught me English through real and meaningful interactions when I was in Colombia. So I just wanted to share that way of teaching with families because it, it, families are the foundation for everything, for all the success of the children. So it's not, it's not any different with learning a second language. And I know a lot of people struggle with uh, trying to learn a second language. I mean, myself included. Mm -hmm. When I was uh, in high school, we had French. And I'd have to say that, uh, that we do, were more traditional. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, vocabulary, syntax, uh, uh, parsing verbs, and going mm -hmm. through all of the things that you're trying to remember. And probably not even really able to speak one word of conversational French at that time. Mm -hmm. And 
I think a lot of people have that kind of experience oh, with absolutely. a second language. Absolutely. I, I have that, that experience with my third language because I, as I said, I'm bilingual. Well, in high school, I decided to take on French. And it should be easier because you already have the background in English and Spanish, so you should be able to pick it up. But again, it's vocabulary-based and grammar-based that doesn't help you. It doesn't help. It's about relationships. It's about using everyday real conversations in that second language. And that's why the family part of it is so important to us. I can see exactly how practical that is. And, and if I, if I were, had maybe had that kind of experience, maybe it would have been easier for me. I had no mm-hmm. one to speak French with. Exactly. And it's, uh, and, th- and stop and think about the way we learn our native languages. It's just that way. Exactly. You know, I've got grandchildren and it's always been, been a joy to be a part of their life as they're coming into their language ability mm-hmm. and they're talking about the things that they want and need and all that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, you realize it is a struggle. It doesn't just like come to you. Mm-hmm. You have to, there's a lot of things that have to sort of be implanted, I guess. Absolutely. You know, and maybe, and, and when you're an adult, it's no different. That's, that's the big difference is that so many adults want to already have these intricate conversations in the second language, and they actually have to start from zero and have simple sentences, make mistakes, and, and be okay with, with sounding like a child for a while until they can develop right. those skills. Well, I guess uh, your approach is probably just the most pragmatic approach to that. Tell me some of the stories of uh, some families who have started that journey together with their children. What's happened? Well, we have three different programs. We have a mommy and me program, preschool program, and after school program. So really, ideally, we want families to start with mommy and me and move up to through after school so that it really is a journey. It's a long process. And when families come to the mommy and me, they actually learn Spanish together. So Children and their families learn Spanish together. And we have had families with a parent who doesn't speak any any Spanish. They come in and they say, this is a full immersion class. I think I'm going to be lost. But they quickly start using, using Spanish with their children. And then by the time they come to preschool, they're saying goodbye to their children in Spanish. They're asking them for a kiss. They're saying very little, but, you know, they just really are able to have quick conversations with their children in Spanish. And then, of course, some of our after-schoolers are actually reading and writing in Spanish. So it's just wonderful to see the growth of not only the children, but the families as well. Yeah. Does that come in a daddy and me variety too? Yes. It's just, that's the way we named it, but it's a family and me. I mean, we have grandparents who come with their, with yeah, their grandkids great. and it's for the whole family. Yeah. Well, that's great because I think everybody needs to be involved that way. And as a dad, sometimes we feel like we get left out. You know, all that cool right. stuff happens that we're, I guess we're sort of like the, the last to know <laughs> anyway. You talk about yourself being a compassionate entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, I think in our society, um, entrepreneurship seems like this um, very driven uh, term, you know, where you're really trying to get to the top as quick as possible and make the most money and Um, That's just the way it seems to be portrayed. And I think that compassion, that's why I make the distinction of being a compassionate entrepreneur, entrepreneur, because um, it's about giving value and adding value to the people you serve and changing their lives. And in the meantime, yes, you build a business, but it really is all about bringing your gift 
to to the people you serve. Exactly. Well, that's a very wholesome way to think about that too, because I know, as I sit through entrepreneur classes and marketing classes and things, mm-hmm. even in, as I look at my own business, the it, the presenters will say, "What is your value proposition? Mm-hmm. What are what problems are you solving? What value are you creating for for your target market?" And I guess, in a sense, that's kind of what you're saying about exactly. That. Yeah, being compassionate in the sense compassionate in the sense of of thinking about that person's particular struggle and need mm-hmm. but also connecting it to your gift because i think a lot of times people say well what's what's missing in the marketplace let's meet their needs so we can make some money you know but they don't actually genuinely care about that problem themselves mm-hmm. i care about that problem because I'm bilingual. You know, I know that a lot of families struggle. I see a lot of families who are Spanish speakers, but as soon as their children enter school, they lose their Spanish and and they they refuse to use Spanish at home. And it's just so sad. So it's personal to me. And I think that's part of the compassionate uh, portion of the compassionate entrepreneur is that you have a stake in the problem. You have a stake. You have a, a real reason to solve that problem. And it's not just to uh, meet the need and, and make a profit. And by all means, in education, we're supposed to become more well-rounded, not less. <laughs> right. And so if you're already speaking another language, when you get to the schools, you shouldn't lose it. Mm-hmm. It, should be an, it should be an addition to you know, what, you, what you're going to be learning is a second language, I guess. Uh, in the uh, at the TED talk, uh, you uh, you talked about uh, uh, you talk, you talked about uh, your dream as a responsibility to the world, mm-hmm. and I thought that was also very uh, very interesting way to think about it. Like it's, it kind of falls out comes from your compassionate entrepreneurship philosophy. Is uh, that kind of where you're going with that? Absolutely. I then there's so many dreams that I have in, in different areas. I'm just now focusing on on bilingualism. But also in education, there are so many things that we are we push children to do. We um, disrespect children in so many ways in, in the way that they should learn um, that I am very passionate about. And I think that it is my responsibility to educate families as well as in, in, in the terms of how their children learn and how we can really help them because they are the ones that are going to be our future. So they, they are the, the world in the future. So that's, that's what I think. And I think each of us really does have a gift that we need to make come. We have to make that dream come true in order to help the world. And it doesn't have to be something huge like um, Charity Water that provides water to third world countries. It doesn't have to be Kiva that does the loans for third world countries. You can change the world in a small way, but your impact will will sure. grow in the end. Absolutely, and that's I guess that's one of the tenets of mm-hmm. my empowered philosophy is that you change the world where you are, mm-hmm. and you, you work within the reach of your environment or your world. Your world could just be your immediate family. Exactly. The world might be your community, or it could be your state, or it could be your nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wherever you are, you make your contribution and you make your changes in that kind of space, and things will get better. Absolutely. I'm all, now, you brought up something in your last comment about the way that you 
believe that some children are actually disrespected in the educational process. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example of what you're talking about? Absolutely. I mean, I think that um, in so many ways, we, we think that all children should learn in the same way. Um, I mean, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm probably not going to say it exactly, is Albert Einstein's, that if a fish grew up his whole life thinking he should climb a tree, he would think he was stupid, you know, because he will never be able to climb a tree. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that each of us has a different, uh, different set of skills, uh, different ways of learning. And for the most part, the education system is to just sit children in rows and make them all learn in the same way through worksheets and tests. And that's not how we all learn. And some children will learn to walk before they learn to talk, and some children will learn to talk before they learn to walk. And so it's just about really personalizing and understanding where they are and letting them lead their, their, their teaching and their learning, basically. They, they teach me a lot more about how they should be taught than, you know, any, any book could. Great, exactly. And I guess our, uh, we, we learn the way that works for us. Mm -hmm. We try stuff until we figure out how to do it. Exactly. And then we keep doing it that way because it works. We had a preschooler who on her first day wrote her name, learned how to write her name, and she was three. And the issue is that's not our goal. We don't sit and say all the children will know how to write their name by this time, and so we all sit them down and make them write their name five times each every day. We don't do that. She just happened to go to the writing area, and she wanted to write a letter to her mom. So she asked how to write her name. So we showed her how to write her name, and on her first day, she learned how to write her name because she was ready, and that was interesting to her. So we are more facilitators of her learning than simply just putting information into them. So that's just one example of she was ready, and we have four-year-olds who may not be ready to write their name but they're ready to make beautiful paintings. Mm -hmm. So it's just about personalizing the, their education. It's, and I think that's a, an important lesson that our whole educational system could learn, actually. And mm -hmm. I think some people are kind of getting it, but it seems like in the need to educate so many people, we've sort of made factory learning out of the process rather than this individualized Absolutely. thing. The uh, presentation at the at the TED conference, you uh, presented your story along a theme that mm -hmm. I thought was very interesting. Uh, the theme was Dream Do Review, mm -hmm. and I'd like to spend some time uh, having you talk about that again. I was impressed with the way you broke that out, and I thought it was such a good lesson. In fact, I was sitting there going, God, that's so cool. <laughs> I, I've got to meet her. And so the... Uh, it really spoke to me the way I could relate to what you were saying. I thought it'd be important to have a chance to share that. So talk about those. Okay, Dream, absolutely. do, review. Absolutely. Well, everything starts in the mind. It needs to be in the mind before it can come into the real world, in, in my opinion. So the dream needs to be the first step of, of the equation. And for me, it was, I imagine, I allowed myself to imagine being here, having my own school, um, helping families become bilingual families. And the first requirement is that the dream has to be bigger than yourself. It has to be bigger than your clothes, bigger than your car, bigger than your house, and, and bigger than your lifestyle. I mean, you can have all those things, but if those things take over your dream, if they matter more than your dream, then you won't have the willpower 
to make it come true. Now, many of us have dreams that make us shake and make us cry and make us excited. But if we stop there, then that's it. It's a dream. It's just one, another dream to add to our list of dreams. So the next step is to do. And that's exactly what I did. As I was shaking and crying, imagining being here, I started doing. And you saw the, the logo that I created. As soon as I, I was dreaming, I grabbed a pen. I started sketching my logo. Garland saw it. It was pretty terrible. <laughs> right? It was, well, I mean, it wasn't awful. No, I mean, it wasn't it's... too bad. But I just created a logo because I, I could. Like you say in your message, just do it. If you see something that needs to be done, just do it. And so I did the logo. And, and I used my college courses to really understand bilingualism and just had that in the back of my mind that that was going to be my goal. And so I, I just started taking action slowly. And it's going to be baby steps, just like learning a second language. You have to be okay with not being great at, at first. And, and I started just doing. And now doing has two requirements. the first requirement is that you cannot have any excuses and each of us has plenty of excuses that we can use um, some of the excuses I talked about were um, lack of time lack of resources and then some other thing that is a unique disadvantage each of us has a unique disadvantage like I said in in the TEDx um, you know uh, Richard Branson is dyslexic Oprah was abused as a child, and Steve Jobs was a college dropout. So the, those could be excuses if they allowed them to be. Um, for me, I have—I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was 12, and I can very easily make that an excuse on different occasions, but I choose not to. So I just choose to let that, that unique disadvantage give me the strength for entrepreneurship because it's very hard. It's, you're just going to fall and fall and fall and fail and fail. And, um, and you need that strength. So use whatever it is that you, that you call your unique disadvantage. Use it to your advantage and to give you strength for, for, um, for your goals. And so finally, you know, we dream and we do. And the final step is to review. Because as I said, when you start doing, it's not going to be good. <laughs> you're not going to be satisfied just like the logo you're not going to be happy with with the actions you take because since you're acting quickly and you're doing without thinking you're just going for it uh, it's going to be very hard and it's not going to be something you're satisfied with so you need to constantly be reviewing and I there's many things that we have reviewed at bilingual family in order to create value for our families and that's something that um, we need to keep in mind is to grow constantly. But that's the distinction from regular entrepreneurship to compassionate entrepreneurship is that the growth is not just in profits or in my case in the amount of students, but rather in the value that we provide for families and in making each day a better experience for them. So that's that's the whole dream, do and review. Yeah. Very, very well said. And so many lessons in there. I mean I think we could do like a whole course <laughs> on just those three points because they're so rich with uh, wisdom and good information mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people who are thinking about stepping out and doing something on their own almost think it has to be perfect from the start mm -hmm. and I mean I've I have 
been victim of that myself. I'm not ready to launch it because it's not perfect. And I would be embarrassed if it didn't look right or something. And then I just realized nobody who's really successful does that. They just put it out there and, you know, then then they perfect it as they go. But they don't, if they wait until they were perfect, they never launch anything. And many times, you know, what I thought was perfect when I started is not what my family's needed at all. Like I started uh, having parenting classes every every month and nobody showed up <laughs> because it was on Saturdays. Parents are busy on Saturdays. And the more and then I would write like a three page newsletter every month and no one would read it because they don't have time. They're parents. So I needed to fail. I needed to understand that they're busy. I needed to actually be in the business, be working with the families before I could actually understand what they needed. Mm -hmm. So what could have been called failures, like, oh, nobody showed up to my parenting class three months in a row, or, you know, nobody's reading the newsletter and I'm spending so much time doing it, were actually what taught me, like, okay, maybe we should just make three-minute videos each week because parents like to watch videos and they, they can watch that while they're working out. They can watch that on the way to work. Well, not on the way to work, but they can listen to yeah, it. Right. You know, they can just, it's short and sweet because it's what they need. Mm-hmm. So if you try to make it perfect, chances are that's not what, what your customers or right. what, what your people need. Um, just start and then fix it along the way. And it, well, and that's such an th- important lesson to take away is that if you will listen to the people that you want to serve, they will tell you how to serve them. Exactly. Can't let you get away from it here before you just sort of share some of your own insights uh, into the things that have happened to you. And if, say, uh, you got a chance to sit down with uh, a young person like you who's thinking about getting their dream and their passion, they want to mm-hmm. do something with it. Uh, what advice would you give them that you think might help them get off to a quick start? I think the, the number one thing is that the time is now mm, because the time will pass anyway. If I had decided to wait, these two past years of bilingual family would have passed anyway, even if I did bilingual family or if I didn't do it. So the time will pass anyway. You might as well take advantage of that time and start because it will take a long time and, and it'll be hard and you'll have to do a lot of reviewing, and you will not be very good at, at the beginning, and that's okay, but the time will go anyway. So you might as well start now. Even if it's creating an awful logo, sketching an awful logo, and, and storing it, and creating a website, and not really knowing what to put in it, which is what I did, just start. Just do something and, and go for it, because the time will go anyway. Whether you do it or not, the time will pass. And I know there's always an interesting day one story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've done all this work and you've got ready to get to the launch day, the day you're like officially like open. Right. And, uh, and how did that go for you? What was that like? Uh, well, um, it was funny because the very first day was a Monday and we had an after school program. I had one student enrolled for that day, just one. So I was anxiously waiting for him. And they were late because, obviously, I mean, you're here at the church, there's no signs, and, and they were circling around the, in the parking lot. And so I was, for about 15 minutes before he arrived, I was panicking. I was thinking, okay, first of all, I only have one student, <laughs> and he hasn't showed up yet. Yeah, you know, it was so scary. But um, 
you think you're not good enough. You're sitting there thinking, I'm not good enough. I only have one student because your dream is so big. Your original dream that makes you shake and cry, as I mentioned, is so big that when you start doing and you start acting, opening up the school, having your first day, it's not going to be even close to that dream. So that was my first day was, oh my goodness, I have one student and he he's not here yet. <laughs> yeah. it was, is this going to work? I guess we all exactly. have that fear and trepidation. And so now you're two years into your project and you mm-hmm. have 30 families you're working with yes. regularly. Mm-hmm. And so any expectation of what might happen next? I think you actually have some people on staff too now, right? Yes, we have four teachers. Well, including we have three teachers and, and myself. My, I mean, my dream is to grow bilingual family, but grow slowly and really keep keep the ideas, keep the, the approach without changing it. Because when you grow too fast, that's also another thing that you don't want to grow too fast because it changes the core of who you are or what your business is. So I, we want to grow. Um, we've had some parents that would want to do like a private kindergarten, hopefully change the whole education system. Maybe so. I mean, so. who knows? Someone may hear this podcast at some point and say, you know, that's really it. It's something we need to think about doing in our school or in our community and Absolutely. taking a very different kind kind of approach. So, Well, listen, we could talk all day. I've certainly been delightful to hear your story, and I hope that uh, we'll be able to uh, maybe come back and visit a little bit later and see how things are going. Absolutely. Uh, I would and, love uh, that. We'd love to, love to do that. Yeah. Well, Daniela Pereira is the founder of Bilingual Family in Oklahoma City, which is a Spanish immersion school for children, and we've heard a little bit about her story today. And again, thank you so much for thank sharing you. that. Thank you so much. And to you, thanks for listening. And I encourage you not to miss out on any future episodes of The Spirit of Leading. You can subscribe to my blog at empoweredtolead.com and you'll get a notification in your email when a new podcast is available. You can also listen and subscribe on iTunes Podcast and on Stitcher. I encourage you to go forth in the spirit of leading, to live each and every day by encouraging the spirit, enlivening the heart, enlightening the mind, and enlarging the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters, and in the spirit of leading, live each and every day empowered. Empowered.